This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> We got one more hour left here on a Friday. Mike Lefko and Brady Henderson with you. Thank you for still being here. I don't know if you got a little uncomfortable. What did you think I was going to leave? I don't know if you got too much of an ego boost or you're just a little uncomfortable after G was throwing you out there on the market. Like going straight to marriage. Straight to marriage. Yeah. Not even dating. Not even like, hey, you want to just go have a nice dinner with Brady Henderson? No, he he was soliciting marriage proposals. He's working on an arranged marriage. (laughs) Yeah. For both of us. You usually have to worry about Brock doing that. I I was surprised G threw that out at you. Yeah, Brock Brock did that for me, literally, for an entire show one day. Really? Yeah, over the winter. Did anything come of it? No, nothing came of it. So He's not very good <laughs> at it either. Well, it sounds like you need G working <laughs> yeah, for you. I guess that's why. All right, Brock, uh, by proxy, said uh, G needed to get on that. So that uh, that was a uh, no, good conversation. Got some good Pac-12 talk in there. Got some Seahawks discussion as well. We were going to talk kind of our training camp takeaways or a couple things that jumped out to us at 8.30, we're going to push that back to right now, so we're going to kind of get into that. Uh, we also have Brady's ranked coming up at nine forty-five. Oh yeah, How's music that lovers will love. Oh, it's coming. It's it's done. Oh, Where it's done. Okay, go? Yeah. he's in the barn. It's somewhere in here. Do you give it to Justin? Maybe. This is what you do as a radio trick. Like this is the piece of paper. Right you can't now. find it. Oh, you found I'm it. Looking okay. at it right now. My ranked AS, list. ASMR. Yeah. Yeah. We we're not, I'm not supposed to say what. I'm not supposed to give away the. No, no giveaway yet. Okay, but it it is music related. Mm-hmm. And the people in Bellingham who were uh, up in arms earlier when you referred to... Yeah, Justin. Jeez, what are you doing? Death yeah, Cab for Cutie is a Seattle band. And the Bellingham people might want to stick around for this Okay. One. There you go. Bellingham people, stick around for Brady's Ranked at 945. Uh, at 9.30, we're going to take your calls. 866-979-3776 on the Mac and Jack's text line. Kind of want to angle this more of a specific vein when we take your calls at 930 What's the biggest question mark or area of concern about the Seahawks heading into the season? Because we've talked a lot about the excitement and all the new pieces and what the offense should look like and everyone they brought in on defense. But what questions do you still have about the Seahawks heading into the season with the mock game tonight, the first preseason game now less than a week away? So that will be the topic at 930. Get ready for that. But one interesting part of this training camp is that we have seen their number one overall pick, or their first pick, their number five overall pick, the uh, first round pick of the Seahawks, the first of two, Devin Witherspoon. He's a cornerback, but he is getting a lot of work at the nickel spot. And some people have taken that to mean, well, wait, can he not beat out these other corners? Is he not good enough? Like they drafted a guy fifth overall and he's going to be a nickelback. But I think you explained it pretty well earlier about why that's not necessarily anything you should read into too much that he's playing nickel. Yeah, and he's still competing to start uh, on the outside as well at, at left cornerback. And so you're talking about two different positions, and I think it's it's could be realistic that he could actually do both, but you still got to win both of those battles. And now I, I don't look at the fact that he is currently he's at, at left cornerback on the depth chart. He's behind Trey Brown. So when they've played you know team drills during training camp, uh, it's been Trey Brown is the the number one cornerback on the left side. And then Mike Jackson is starting on the other side. Of course, that's because um, Tariq Woolen mm-hmm. is out right now. Uh, and so you figure Woolen's going to be uh, on the right side when he gets back. And, and there's I don't think there's any concern that he's going to not be ready by the start of the season. He should be back by week one. Uh, so right now you've got Witherspoon still working 
with the second team uh, at left cornerback, and then he's with the number one team. He's competing with um, Kobe Bryant at nickelback. And so that is an interesting spot for him just because everything you hear, everything you heard about Devin Witherspoon coming out of Illinois and everything you've seen so far, especially now that the pads come on, is you know two of his best traits are the instincts and the physicality, and those are two of the biggest traits that you need to have when you're playing inside. Anybody who's ever played nickelback, they always talk about how much faster the action happens in there compared to the outside when you know you're not you know, immediately going to have to fill a run gap. You know that um, there's not going to be a, a quick hitting pass thrown to you on the outside because the ball takes longer to travel there. Like things happen slower on the outside compared to the inside. So you need to, to be quick thinking. You need to have instincts. Uh, and you also need to be physical because you know there's going to be more responsibilities uh, in the run game that are going to come your way when you're playing inside. And so it sounds like it, it's a natural position for him. And I think the question is, you know, Hey, he's still got to beat out Kobe Bryant for that job. So the question is, is he going to do that? And is he going to be starting uh, on the left side in base situations as well? Again, it, I think it's, it's realistic for him to do both if he wins both those jobs and how that would look, I think is in base situations, uh, on early downs, he starts on the left side, and then when they go into nickel, they move him inside and bring in Mike Jackson to play on the outside. They've done that before uh, in the past with guys like Jeremy Lane and, and Shaquille Griffin, uh, or at least briefly. So it's it's there is some precedent for that kind of you know flip flopping, you know, in between games or in games, I should say. Um, and you know, it, it would kind of be interesting to think of if he is quote unquote just the nickel back. It, you know, some people might say, "Well, how could you draft a guy fifth overall? Is the highest draft pick of the Carroll Schneider era, the first cornerback taken, and how could he not be a starter?" I, I would say, when you're a nickelback, you sort of are a starter because teams are in nickel. You know what? Over two thirds of the time, so he is effectively a starter. And again, I think if he doesn't begin the season as the starter on the left side, you, you got to imagine that he's going to find his way into that spot eventually. So um, it is a fascinating situation because it's such a high pick and there's really two jobs that he's vying for right now yeah and here's pete carroll yesterday about witherspoon and all of the kind of intricate processes that he's learning well there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to it you know there's there's uh so many more assignments that that are intricate to the running game that aren't you know part of the corner position being in charge in, in in an area where he gets to pressure as well, he's got blitz, he's got blitz pickup stuff, uh, he's got all kinds of things that he has to do. Like I'm, I'm telling you, it's not hard for him. It's easy for him to, to learn the stuff. He's going to be able to get it and uh, get it down, and um, that's not going to be the concern. It's just what's the best mix and combination for us. So I guess yeah, to your point that for him to learn all the nickel tendencies, what he needs to know, then it makes it interchangeable that he can be outside and then, hey, they move into nickel for a down or a series. He slides over there and it's a, it's a seamless adjustment, it feels like. Well, yeah, but it, but even you heard Pete Carroll talk about all the different things that you know go into playing nickelback and now like that, that's hard, that job itself mm-hmm. is hard enough and now learning another position and being fluid enough at both uh, to go back and forth between games. That seems to me like that would be a lot to put on a rookie. But again, everything you hear about Devin Witherspoon is how heady he is, uh, how instinctive. Is it instinctive or instinctual? I think you we need to use both, right? Maybe, maybe both. And... Yeah. Well, he's both. That's how yeah. great he is. Yeah, there you no. go. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I, I've, I don't think that the fact that he is not right now working with the number one defense on the left side, I don't think that's any sort of punitive thing 
for you know the two days that he missed uh, the start of training camp amid the holdout. A because remember he was working at Nickelback uh, in the spring, yeah, even before, and he wasn't taking all of the number one reps on the left side. He was he was working there, but it was it was him. Um, and some of the other guys, and so, and the other thing is, like, I, I, I really don't think that they are holding that holdout against him. Some holdouts are agent driven, some are player driven. I've gotten the sense that this was more of an agent thing, and so I don't think that they are the fact that he missed those two days. I don't think, I don't think they really feel like that is his fault. And so I don't think the fact that he's not starting on the outside right now or, or at the top of the depth chart, I don't think that's any way of punishing him. I think it's more about. Uh, Typically, when they bring in, when they draft somebody, you know, they defer to the the vet, more veteran guy. That's why Evan Brown began right. the offseason taking most of the number one reps at center. And you know, it, you could just take look at any position they've ever had there where they've got a veteran guy and a and a draft pick. They usually defer to the draft pick and say, "This is your job to lose." And I think that's what's going on right now. It's you know, Trey Brown has been there before. He's played some good football for them, and I think. It's up to Devin Witherspoon to take that job away from him. Well, yeah, you'll get a good look at Witherspoon and uh, all these rookies tonight. Seahawks mock game begins at 520. More on that and more on a key injury update for the Seahawks, along with the latest on the Pac-12. It keeps evolving by the minute. We'll get uh, what's happening there in the conference. You're listening to the Brock and Salk Show on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, we already have some contention among Brady's potential lists, so uh, we'll get into that at 9:45. The tech submissions get a little worried. You might not have some bands they think have to be included, but uh, yeah, the big thing you need to know is obviously the Mariners had a huge, massive win over the Angels last night. Key comeback, and it was spurred by an unlikely hero. Now the stretch. And the 0-2 pitch swing and a high fly ball deep to right field. Renfro going back to the warning track, looking up and Grandma get out the right bread and mustard. It is Grand Salami time. Kate Marlowe with his first career Grand Slam straightaway right field into the big bleachers. And it's now the Mariners 5 and the Angels 3. Everything had lined up for the Angels. Otani gave him uh, four scoreless innings. He stole a base, scored a run, then had a solo homer and was doing all he possibly could. And then here were the Mariners with their kind of typical comeback spirit we've seen over the last few seasons, getting the first two on, on walks in the ninth. And then uh, you load the bases. Cade Marlowe comes up with one out in the inning, swings and misses at two pitches. And then on the third one, that. The Angels closers try to sneak right by him in that same spot. That grand slam, the big 5-3 to three win, and the Mariners are a season high. Five games over 500. Good chance to really uh, make some noise here against the Angels tonight as well. 6:38 first pitch in Game 2. You can hear pregame coverage beginning here on Seattle Sports at 5.30. And it's Luis Castillo on the mound for the Mariners. Here's the second thing you need to know. We've been talking a lot about it today because uh, the Seahawks mock game is tonight. Virtual, not virtual, de facto preseason game for the Seahawks. Now that you got rid of that fourth preseason game, there are only three and Pete Carroll likes that they use this as an opportunity to really evaluate uh, a lot of competitions and some of the younger guys. Uh, situations, you know, and see how guys, how they respond. Do they take to the learning, you know, the coaching and the learning and all, and do they make good choices when they get their opportunities and, and see how they I'm trying to make a big deal about it to them, you know, that it's a big test and all that, because I want them to feel uh, 
uh, some anxiety about it and, and know that there, you know, that there is a test that's involved in this day. Brady, we talked uh, earlier about the center competition specifically and other position groups where there might be young guys fighting for spots. Do you expect a lot of the younger guys to get key reps or will they alternate a bit? I think you're going to see a little bit of everything, yeah. And and you're going to see, I think, the veterans play some in this game too. And look, they don't have the big quarterback battle uh, like they had last season with Drew Locke and, and Geno Smith. But they do have some pretty key positions up for grabs right now. Center is one of them. Uh, Evan Brown and Olu Oluwatimi uh, battling there. Uh, the two, you know, defensive back positions we talked about, left cornerback uh, and nickelback right now, and, and to see how that shakes out with Devin Witherspoon, uh, the fifth overall pick, and then the other one is outside linebacker. You know, Chenna Nwosu is going to be starting at one side, but that other spot is up for grabs. And now that Daryl Taylor is is out for at least a little bit with a sprained shoulder, you're going to see uh, Derek Hall and Boye Mafe really get an extended opportunity. Uh, to put their name in the hat for that job. And I, I said earlier that if I had to guess right now, I would put Boye Mafe in the starting lineup just with what I've seen from him, what I heard Clint Hurt say about him and the strides he's made uh, in the run game and having a better feel for that, which I think held him back last season. Uh, and again, the fact that Daryl Taylor is hurt right now, I think uh, all of those things point to uh, Boye Mafe getting a really good opportunity to, to show that he deserves to start opposite Nwosu. Here's the third thing you need to know. A lot of drama around the Pac-12 right now. Last night, it seemed dire. Uh, the Arizona Board of Regents was meeting. The Washington Board of Regents was meeting, and it felt like the Pac-12 was dead. This was the start of the conference splintering. Well, this morning, all the Pac-12 presidents got together, and there were reports coming out that they were going to sign a grant to rights. The conference is going to stay intact. Now... Right after that, yes, it's seesawed back and forth. Ross Dellinger and Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports have been all over this, say that you know, potentially Washington and Oregon want out again and that the conference, the entire fate of the conference, could rest on whether Oregon goes to the Big Ten. So uh, who knows what's going on? It's an evolving process. Stay tuned all day uh, here on Seattle Sports. But one thing that we talked a lot about with G is that you're going to have some traditional rivalries potentially erode, and Washington State head coach Jake Dickert uh, kind of bemoaning the state of the conference right now. You know, the old question, how long would it take TV money to destroy college football? Maybe we're here. You know, Maybe we're here. You know, to think even remotely five years ago, the Pac-12 would be in this position. It's unthinkable to think that we're here today and to think that local rivalries are at risk and fans driving four hours to watch their team play in a road game and rivalries is at risk to me is unbelievable. And I know our place at the table at the end of the day, Pac-12 football and Pac-12 brand, man, if we stay together is really strong and we'll have a strong future. I firmly believe in that. Jake Dickert sounds like a, a, a character from a movie or a TV show. Like the voice is very recognizable. I just can't figure out who it is. But uh, at any rate, no, he's right there. And I think what he means by, quote, our place at the table is saying that, look, Washington State's you know, probably the smallest media market uh, in the Pac-12. It's not one of these schools that another conference wants to pick off. But he's right that it would be a shame if, if there's no more Apple Cup, you know. There, there's no more Apple Cup. There's no more Civil War. All those other great rivalries that we've uh, loved watching over the years in the Pac-10, Pac-12. Um, it would be a real bummer. And now you're talking about UW. You know, you get some some big time games, especially uh, in football, uh, with those Big Ten schools. But you're also talking about them going to Piscataway, New Jersey, mm-hmm. on a Tuesday Terrible night. Place, yeah, way. it's that's just a. Logistically, it's weird. Uh, it would be awkward. And just with the lack of those traditional rivalries, it would be a big bummer. 
Uh, one more thing you need to know here. Uh, former Seahawks offensive lineman Jamarco Jones was cut by the Titans yesterday after he got into two fights. Two in one week at training camp. One of those included uh, kind of irritating the Titans star defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons. So that's not going to fare well. And uh, he was promptly let go. Yeah, coaches like to see fire in training camp, but there is a clear line that they do not want players to cross, uh, and fighting is is on the other end of that line, and you talk about risk of injury. It's also just a bad look for a player who's showing that he's not going to be able to control his emotions uh, in a game situation and is going to cost his team you know, 15 yards and maybe get ejected. The other part of this, and you mentioned Jeffrey Simmons, He's their stud defensive mm. tackle. They just paid a lot of money to. And so, uh, you know, it, it, it's one thing for a guy to get into a fight with, you know, a, a, a deep reserve guy. It's another thing to get in a fight with a star player like that. And I imagine that that's why he got the boot. That is uh, everything you need to know. All right. We want your calls next. 866-979-3776 on the Mac and Jack's text line. What's the biggest question you have about the Seahawks going into the season? Maybe an area of concern or just something uh, you're curious about? Brady is here to answer all of your questions. That's why we have him in-house today, your Seahawks on-call expert. So uh, chime in. We'll get to those next. This is the Brock and Salk Show on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, it is Brock and Salk, but you get uh, Mike Lefko and Brady Henderson today. We are taking your calls right now on the Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. And uh, we want to know, what's the biggest question mark or area of concern about this team heading into the season? So we will go out to Issaquah. Robert in Issaquah is on with us now. Hey, Robert, how's it going? And what's your Seahawks question? Oh, it's going fine. I'm just um, reading about this Pac-12 situation but about my about the Seahawks you asked the question what am I most concerned with I know this is probably an unpopular comment but I'd have to say Geno Smith because the first half of the season he was awesome lights out I mean set records that have not been seen in long time but then second half Geno Smith made me like ooh, this ain't too good (laughs) you know just the interceptions the the fumbles the the awkwardness I know some of the blame could go on the offensive line, but I'm not going to hype him up yet. He has not proved to me that he can run a team for a full season like an awesome QB camp. You know, I know it's the Seahawks, and I love my team, but it relies on our QB. If he can't get it done in the second half or the entire season, our defense isn't going to carry us. You know, that's my only concern. You know, it's a small concern, but if he doesn't play, if he plays like he did in the second half, we're not making the playoffs. Yeah, that's a great point, Robert. And certainly with the small sample size of uh, Geno Smith, the, okay, well, certainly he should, you know, progress in his second year, but because it's a, it's a one-year blip, that's all you have. I I understand the concern about regression. What do you think in terms of, hey, might Geno Smith actually regress this year? Well, he, he definitely made the Pro Bowl off the strength of the first half of that season mm-hmm. last year. And, and I would say it was really more the final month of the season that where the play kind of tailed off. And I don't think, again, I talked about this earlier, I don't think it's a coincidence that you started to see 
his production waned and some more interceptions uh, around the time that Ken Walker the third went down with, I think it was the foot or ankle injury. And it, it just seemed to me, I don't think Geno Smith admitted this, but it seemed to me like he was putting a little bit too, more pressure on himself, trying to be more aggressive than usual, maybe not uh, wasn't taking things taking what the defense was giving him like he was earlier in the season uh, when Ken Walker went down and the run game was struggling. So I think that goes back to the conversation about why do you spend a second-round pick on Zach Charbonnet when you've already got Ken Walker the third there? The idea is, uh, I think, primarily to, to make sure that that run game does not fall off if one of those guys goes down. So I think there's all sorts of reasons to think – um, you know, I, I understand the conversation about is Gino maybe going to regress uh, because there hasn't been the long track record. Again, I, I think that for every reason you could point to that suggests he might re- regress, you could find just as many reasons to think that he's actually going to be better. One being that he's got a full season under his belt to knock off the rust. He's not looking over his shoulder at Drew Locke uh, like he was last year when they were sharing reps in the preseason. He's got a full off season uh, to prepare be, to be the starter, and he's got. Jackson Smith and Jigba to throw to, who is going to be a chain mover guy who's going to make them better uh, on third down. And so, um, you know, you've got the, the the rest of the team has to cooperate. The health has to be there. You can't lose both Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet. Uh, but I think with the run game, with more weapons around him, with another year of experience around him, I think it's entirely reasonable to think that he could be better than last year. Yeah, and then you hope that with the whole offseason of him being the starting quarterback entrenched there. Those reps will help as well, but it was a good question. Uh, we'll keep it going here with uh, Lawrence in Lakewood. And Lawrence, how's it going this morning? What's your question today? Yeah, well, originally I, ha- I had a hot uh, baseball take, but I'll take a hot uh, football take for the Seahawks. I'm okay. going to say we yeah, go with it. I'm going to say we, yeah, I'm going to say we win the division. Uh, I'm going to say Brock Purdy is going to have a down year and people are finally going to put some respect on Seattle's name and Pete Carroll's name. Okay. Yeah. Great point there, Lawrence and Lakewood. I know that that could be a a trendy pick out there that the Seahawks could win the division. The Niners certainly with all the talent they have, they would be the favorites. What do you think? The Seahawks, could they be the surprise division winner this season? Well, the the reason why that would ever be a a pick among, you know, people outside of Seahawks fans is because of the quarterback situation uh, in San Francisco. And the fact that Brock Purdy, for as good as he was over, what was it, a seven-game stretch last season, mm-hmm. um, you know that is a pretty small sample size, and he's coming off a major injury. That um, you know, if you read some of the reviews from how he's looked since coming back in training camp, it sounds like it's been kind of up and down. And again, this is a, you know this was the last pick in the draft last year, so this is not a, a guy who's got that same early round talent uh, as somebody like Geno Smith or a lot of other quarterbacks. And so, when you compare the two rosters, and I think this was why Jeremy Fowler's series at ESPN uh, was so instructive was because it gives you an idea of how rosters stack up against each other. And I I can't remember the totals. I I broke them down, but San Francisco, I think had, what was it? Eight players that ranked in the top 10 at their position groups. And of those eight, I think five were in the top five. And the Seahawks had one. The Seahawks had one player in the top 10. And, And again, this wasn't Jeremy ranking these players himself. This was Jeremy polling, you know, different executives, different scouts, coaches, players around the league. So the people who are the most qualified of anybody to rank players, it was them doing the rankings. And that just spoke to how how loaded that San Francisco roster is. So my point, bringing it back to the Seahawks, is if they are going to overtake the 49ers this year, 
it's going to have to be because Geno Smith makes up so much of the difference and the quarterback play is so much better for Seattle than it is for San Francisco. All right, let's keep it moving. We'll go out to uh, Puyallup. Mike, how's it going this morning? What's your question for us? Fellas, I don't worry about much of anything, but I certainly don't worry about Geno Smith having a good year. I think the 49ers will take Geno Smith over whoever they got in a 15 minutes. So forget about that guy in 49ers. Let me tell you about the 49ers. I have a 49ers uh, doormat on my porch. I wipe my feet on it every single day. That's how excited I am for the Hawks. Um, I'm kind of excited for the Trey Brown, um, Mike Jackson, the whole DB room, right? I know this Witherspoon guy. You draft a guy that high, and he's supposed to start. Um, my only hope or question is, will Pete Carroll let it play out? I don't think Mike Jackson's going to give up his spot. He's, nobody tells Mike Jackson he shouldn't start in the NFL. So hopefully Pete will do what he does and let it really have it out. My question is, will, will Witherspoon uh, live up to the pedigree? Right, I'm, I'm assuming you spend that kind of draft capital on a guy that you, you know, some teams would just give him the keys to the starting lineup right away. I don't think the Hawks will. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. All right, Mike, thanks for the question. Appreciate that. Yeah, the cornerback battle. This is the most intriguing position battle, I think, for me because you have so much talent and you have that high draft pick like we just heard from Mike and we know we've talked about it, but when you have the presumed starter on one side in Tariq Woolen and then Mike Jackson out of all the other ones, the the more unheralded guy, right? In terms of, hey, Trey Brown, fourth-round pick. Devin Witherspoon, your fifth overall pick in the NFL draft. We'll see, though. So what do you think? If you had to kind of make a prediction right now, who are those two starting outside cornerback spots? Well, I agree with the caller that Mike Jackson is not going to make it easy. And I do think that is part of the, the thought, that was part of the thought, in trying Witherspoon out at Nickelback. In addition to the fact that, again, we talked about it, how the skill set seems to fit really well there for what he's got in his game and what that position demands. It does seem like a good fit. But I, I do think that the other part of that equation was, oh, yeah, Mike Jackson has looked really good. And and you know I made the point earlier that I don't think the Seahawks drafted Devin Witherspoon fifth overall because they saw the way Mike Jackson played last year and thought, boy, you've got to get way better there. I don't think that was it at all. I think that was much more so that Devin Witherspoon was the best player available at that spot. And regardless of what you have on your team already, that's a blue chip guy. There was nobody else like that available in their eyes at that spot. And so they took him there. And um, But it was not about Mike Jackson being insufficient there. I mean, Mike Jackson, for a first-year starter last year, I think he played well. And from... The sounds of it, and from what it looks like to my eye, watching him in practice every day, it does look like he has taken a big step. Mm-hmm. He was the best. He was the standout guy uh, of the spring, and Pete Carroll said that. That was my observation as well. To my obviously less trained eye than Pete Carroll, but Mike Jackson was the standout of the spring. So it looks like he is taking another step here. I don't think he is going to give. He, he's certainly not going to just roll over and give that job up easily, but. That said, Devin Witherspoon was the fifth overall pick for a reason. He's a really talented football player, and it's going to be hard for him, I think, to not ultimately overtake that job. You've still got, what, a month? What is it, August 4th? Right now you've got over a month until the first game. So it's a long time for him to make up that ground uh, on the outside. I, If I had to guess right now, I think what happens is the two starting cornerbacks on the outside are obviously Trick Woolen on the right side. There's no question about that. I think... You're going to see Devin Witherspoon win that job on the left side. And then when they go into nickel situations, you're going to move Devin Witherspoon inside and put Mike Jackson out on the left side. I I don't say that with a ton of confidence because that is a lot to put on a rookie's plate. 
to you know we talked about all the different things that happen at nickel and how instinctive slash instinctual whatever the word is you have to One be there how aggressive you have to be uh, that's a lot on a rookie's plate now you're talking about being that job you know holding down that job and starting on the left side where you've got a whole different set of responsibilities as well. It's a lot to put on a rookie's plate, so I don't make that prediction with a great deal of confidence, but I just think that, again, he's the number 5 overall pick for a reason, and even in that scenario, you would still get Mike Jackson on the field a lot. All right, time for a couple more calls here. Appreciate everyone uh, hanging on the line. We're going to go cross-country to uh, LG in Buffalo, all the way in New York. Uh, LG, how's it going this morning? What's your uh, question about the Seahawks? Well, I'll say good afternoon, guys. That's true. Where I am. Uh-huh. Exactly. But, uh, but, good, but good morning to you guys. Left go. Brady doing a wonderful job. Uh, Thank you. Down for the guys today. I just wanted to say my biggest concern is the running back position. Hmm. Not a be- about talent or ability, but at crucial times, the availability. You always see December, January, going into the playoffs, we're always limping into that particular position and it's like yo if we can get all the horses out of the stable healthy at crucial times i can take a sigh of relief um yeah because it's just always a, a matter of hey man when the chips are uh at its most crucial point we always seem to be down in those positions so crossing my fingers throwing out my shamrocks for kim walker and charbonnet that they can stay healthy at critical times all right, thanks, LG. Uh, appreciate the call there. Yeah, running backs just such a tough position in the NFL these days. Yeah, and especially for Seattle, it seems like they've been kind of snake bitten there with injuries in the last few years. And I, I imagine that our man LG was thinking back to 2019. Remember, late in that season, they were headed towards the number one seed in the NFC. Like they 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 had, I think, the inside track to that spot. And then they had this biblical rash of injuries to their backfield. Within the span of three weeks, they lost uh, Chris Carson. Rashad Penny had the bad ACL injury. And then C.J. Procise, I think, broke his wrist or something. So they lost three running backs in the span of like 20 days or something like that. And that's when they brought back Marshawn Lynch uh, and Robert Turbin. And they, you know, it, as well as he played under the circumstances, uh, that hurt them not having those guys there. And so I, that's, you know, I'm... I'm sure that part of that history is on their minds when they're deciding whether or not to spend another second round pick on Zach Charbonnet. You know, for a lot of other teams, that would not make sense. For the Seahawks, it did just because they want to be a running team and they've seen seasons get derailed by injuries to their backfield and not maintaining that same level of production from the starter uh, to the backup. It happened, I think, to a lesser degree last season when Ken Walker missed some time in December with the foot angle injury, whatever that was, I can't remember, but you started to see it. I, I think, I don't know if they would admit this, but I, I think that affected Geno Smith's play. And, and to the caller's point earlier, uh, where he you know kind of struggled late last season, I think part of that was he was putting too much pressure on himself, not taking what defenses were giving him like he was earlier in the season. And part of it was, I think, because he felt like he had to shoulder more of the load without Ken Walker. So... Um, that's why they drafted Zach Charbonnet again, spent a second round pick on a running back for the second straight year uh, was because they just feel like they can't afford that drop off like they've suffered in recent seasons. Uh, All right. Appreciate everyone hanging on the line. We are out of time to take calls. Tell Salk, blame him. Uh, Tell him you get to go on first. It's our fault. We couldn't get to everyone. But uh, next time Salk takes calls, 
If you are still waiting, call in and say uh, you get to go on first next Sam time. Sam from uh, Chino, California. We'll move you to the well, top. Sorry, of the yes. Yeah, so we, have, we have some news to get to very quickly before we get to ranked. Um, I told you it was constantly evolving. So Dan Wetzel and Ross Dellinger now say that Oregon and Washington are finalizing their exit to the Big Ten. Finalizing their exit out of the Pac-12. They have informed the other Pac-12 schools they intend to leave and that the Big Ten expects them to come in next season, the fall of 2024. So, uh We've heard a lot of varying things over the past, not even 24 hours, but now it sounds like this move has happened. The first domino has fallen and the big collapse of the Pac-12 and Oregon and Washington are expected to begin play in the Big Ten next season, fall of 2024. Wow, it's really yeah, happening. It's, it's kind of a stunner, but that's uh, that's big. Um, we don't have a lot of time to dig into that. Bump and Stacy will dig into that coming up at ten. Uh, Curtis is in today for Bump, but Curtis and Stacy will certainly dive into that. Plenty of insight and analysis. Those two are well equipped to talk about college football and the potentially seismic news that just happened right now. Right now, though, we have to get to ranked. Got a list. Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. All right, a little bit of a shorter version of Rank today because we had those calls and we had this breaking news. But, uh, Brady, I'm teeing it up for you outline the topic and then uh, just go nuts you have the music there you can you can fire at will here yeah we're, we're gonna stick with the music theme we did it last time with the best bands from what we say from england Is yeah because right? you were over there bands? and yeah. you were golfing yeah yeah so um we're gonna stick with the musical theme and go best seattle bands slash musicians excluding the grunge okay so we're not talking nirvana pearl jam alice and chains we're excluding the grunge and all the you know post grunge, the grunge adjacent uh, type stuff. So this is non grunge, best Seattle bands. That wouldn't be a ranked without uh, honorable mentions, and it wouldn't be a list of Seattle musicians without this guy, Mike Lefko. The mix a lot posse cola ripping up the set. So this is an honorable mention. This okay. is an honorable all mention. Right. Yeah. Okay. Does Sir Mix-a-Lot carry a lot of weight? You're not from Seattle. Does he, he carry, carry a lot of weight outside much. Seattle? Uh, certainly famous, but not probably as much as he is around here. Okay, I got a feeling this guy does right here. See, he just wanted to jump shot, but they wanted to Back start a car. Yeah. Uh, you, you're putting him in your honorable mention. Yeah, okay. honorable mention. So that's that going to see how competitive the top five is when Macklemore doesn't make the top five. Now, I'm just not a big hip-hop guy. It's, I, I enjoy it. It's not my favorite type of music. Uh... Now, look, this list, it's really, uh, it makes you realize how many of the great bands are grunge bands because I struggled to come up with yeah. more honorable mentions. <laughs> now, this is a band that I couldn't even, I couldn't even name a song of theirs, but I really like the band name because uh, it's Slater Kinney, and this was named after the road in Lacey called Slater Kinney, where my mom grew up in Lacey. So I'm going to play you a song that I don't even know the name of. You a big Slater Kinney guy, Mike? No, not at all. No? no. I like okay. Slater Kinney. Also, Carrie, I'll let you two carry this one. Carrie Brownstein in this band. <laughs> yeah, Carrie Brownstein. Was she Let's in Portlandia? Is that right? Every day. I know. From Portlandia? Portlandia? Is that right? I'll, yeah. tell, you, I'll okay. tell you the good news, though, Maura, is that because we don't have a lot of time, unfortunately, Brady, we have to get right to the top five. Oh, top so, five. So, yeah, we have okay. to get rid of all those honorable mentions. I know you have 15 more, but uh, we have to get right to the top five. Just to have about three minutes Botch, left here. Minus okay. Modest Mouse. I went to Western. Modest Mouse was huge up there. I, I, okay, save the text. I realize they're from Issaquah. They're not from Seattle, so we're sort of bending the rules here. 
They're actually going to bend them quite a bit more uh, with the next couple. Modest uh, Mouse, number five, though. Yeah. Modest Mouse, mm-hmm. number five. Number four. We talked about him earlier. Death Cab for Cutie. Coming out of Bellingham. Bellingham, Justin. Stretching the rules a little bit. So I'm saying Northwest. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much anything in, the, like, in, in and around Seattle of 100 miles. I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah. Seattle, man. Now, sticking with Bellingham. Okay. That was number four. I heard, I heard we got some text. We have some Seattle connections, though. In this we do line. have some Seattle connections. Taylor knows these guys. I went to college with them at Western. I didn't know them at Western. Uh, Odessa. So I, I told the text uh, the texters to not worry. We were going to have Odessa. Of course, they make the top five list. Many were so, worried, actually. That, was, a, that was the one oh, thing. Yeah, right. I was worried for your sake. We, we got the rag gear ready to three go. Three to four texts saying, yeah. if Odessa isn't in here, we riot. Yeah. So wait. <laughs> Put the rag gear Quick away. derail here. You also went to college with Justin's made-up girlfriend. His imaginary <laughs> girlfriend. Yes. Is this true? Wow. Yeah. Can't, so, wow. We yeah, have outside corroboration yeah. that uh, Betsy exists. He's gone Betsy, as far as to pay someone off now. Yeah. Betsy uh, does exist. It, Betsy does <laughs> exist. Now, I, I can't confirm that he is actually dating Betsy, but I can <laughs> confirm that Betsy <laughs> is a real person that I used to hang out with on occasion. We were friends of friends in college. Uh, you know, so she she exists. Told you guys. Wow. Man, everything goes down at Western. Yes. Yeah. Small world. Number two. You know them, you love them. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Heart. I struggled on which song to suggest here because there's so many. You could have gone with more of the 80s ballads, Alone, all those good ones. But I, Barracuda is probably their most well-known song. Or Crazy on You. Crazy on You for sure. Yeah. But Heart deserved to be on the list. We got a lot of texts about it, so I'm glad you represent it. Oh. Yeah, well, you, a couple took, people thought Heart would be number, be number one, one or Odessa would be number one. So We got some people thinking Dave Matthews is going to be number one. Who's number one oh, here? Dave, oh, that is an omission. Dave Matthews <laughs> lived like, I think I live like five minutes from Dave Matthews. Um, all right. Well, that's an omission. That's on me. Although... Yeah, I probably would have put him in the top five. Okay. Yeah, yeah I don't, I'm not going to. Highly no. anticipated number one here. Is it, though? Because I think it should be obvious. When you're talking about Seattle musicians, non grunge musicians. Jimmy Hendrix, come on. Has this song not been in, like, every movie that was set in the late 60s, early 70s? Easy number one. Easy number one. Easy number one. Yeah. yeah. The, I mean, just. We, one of the greatest guitar players of all time, let alone, you know, singer, songwriter, icon. band leaders, icon. Just, yeah, he's Jimi Hendrix. He's the GOAT. Get a lot of texts about Queensryche, uh, Candlebox. Candlebox, we decided, was like grunge adjacent, Yeah, that's right? post-grunge. Yeah. yeah, that's post-grunge. It's right in there. But you're right. There's a lot of Seattle bands that are very good. What about Bob's band, The Living End? Didn't get... And get to be that's grunge. That's grunge. Uh, oh, okay, because yeah, someone did text that in that if Bob's wasn't on here, you could put in a chokehold. But okay, <laughs> grunge. That is important. Oh yeah, that we're making that distinction because it would have been way too Fleet many. Fox's head in the heart. Screaming tree. There's a lot. We yeah. get it. But screaming cheese. That's grunge. Yeah, yeah. that's All right. right. Good, the heart list. Grunge. Good list there, Brady. We got to get out of here. A uh, lot of Pac-12 news to talk about. Breaking news with Washington and Oregon sounds like on their way out and headed to the Big Ten. So stay tuned. Bump and Stacy will get to that coming up next here on Seattle Sports. Get to the chopper!